Season four of Letcentric Radio is sponsored by Book Taco, an online program for managing independent reading in grades K-8. Book Taco has an amazing feature that gives kids an authentic reason for using technology, Book Talk videos. I'll share the details later on in the episode. Welcome back to Litcentric Radio, the podcast that's a literacy coach in your pocket. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Webb. So how are you? <laughs> are you hanging in there? I bet many of you are feeling overwhelmed right now, not just with school, but school probably isn't helping, if, if we can be honest. Um, there's so many resources being shared online right now, and teachers are just, they just amaze me. They really, you know, we have such a collaborative culture sharing, turning to each other when we need, you know, we need help, we need resources. It's really actually very heartening to see. But I also have to say, I'm a little bit concerned. I just, I want you to be careful that you don't get taken advantage of. I'm seeing stories online of kind of predatory selling practices, um, teachers on different websites and in their blogs and marketing, they're really pushing certain materials and charging people extra for things that they probably should have provided already. I'm just, there's some folks really taking advantage of our crisis right now. And I just want you to be, please be careful as you're looking for resources online. And um, if I were you, I would stick to the most authentic uh, literacy resources that you can. Um, You know, books that you already have access to, plenty of websites that children can access for free right now. Um, I would really try to stick with the simplest things. Um, I'm speaking for, as a parent right now. I'm not really interested in more, um, you know, technology type of basically flashcards slash worksheets that are just, you know, a glorified version of that digitally. I'm not really interested in uh, those types of things for my child and for her learning. I don't really want her just kept busy. That's easy enough to do at home. Um, I really want her to have some real teaching and learning experiences. And I know that I'm um, not your average parent because, of course, I'm a teacher myself. Um, but I I really don't want just a bunch of uh, beautiful clip art to keep my child occupied. That's really not what I'm looking for from her school and from uh, from her teacher. So I just, just please be careful. Be, you know, the smart consumer that you are and put a good pedagogy first because you know that's what your students need and that's where your expertise really comes in. And really with that in mind, I've been looking at what's being shared online and like I said, a lot of it is pretty kind of low cognitive type of work. Lots of, you know, matching games and things like that, which aren't necessarily a bad thing if that's really where your students are operating right now, but you know, the majority of kids don't operate in that stage for very long, especially this time of year. I would hope in, in the K-12 system that most of our students don't need those activities quite so much anymore. Um, and the good news is, is a lot of folks really are trying to talk about literacy, especially reading online. Lots of folks are trying to, you know, read books aloud and, and make sure kids have access to good literature in particular. Um, a lot of folks are talking about how to support students who they were seeing in their intervention groups and giving them access to texts they can read. There's a lot of great resources for that online right now, thank goodness. But something I think that's really not being talked about enough is writing. 
And writing is really something that's actually one of the easier things for a parent to do with their child because it doesn't take any special equipment. Really, you know, the majority of our students don't have a problem accessing pencil and paper in some way, shape, or form. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything fancy um, for sure. But uh, I know that we could probably be supporting parents a lot better in that area. I know a lot of parents I work with over the years, uh, when, especially when I was teaching in the primary grades, you know, teaching writing wasn't necessarily something they were adept at, but they certainly could sit and have a good conversation with their child about writing and, you know, think of ideas they might want to write about and just give the child a positive experience about writing. Um, because the more the child practices, whether they get, you know, really high quality instruction from a parent, we can't really expect that, right? I mean, a lot of teachers I know really shy away from writing instruction themselves in their classroom because they really feel um, really not equipped. They didn't get maybe the training that they probably could have gotten. And a lot of us feel like we're not strong writers in our own right. Um, and so I, I'm really concerned about the lack of writing being talked about, honestly. This is something we can easily implement and make a difference uh, for our students and for their families. And so something that I've decided to do, I started to create a series of really brief videos. It's really a video collection that features some writing ideas that I know students love. These are tried and true activities and approaches, um, things that I've done year after year in the different age groups that I've taught. And uh, these are definitely ideas that you can easily share for remote learning or online learning. So what, I, what I'm trying to do right now is really build up a collection of videos that you can easily share with parents um, that they can really duplicate at home, just promoting literacy in a fun, relaxed way that's also really minimal tech. So beyond just watching a video on YouTube, the parent can easily implement this idea with their child and really make up for a fun literacy experience, again, with very minimal resources required. None of these videos are based on a particular book. Uh, like we know in the podcast here, we talk about a very specific mentor text each week. But for these videos, we know not all of our students have access to uh, enough books for one, but definitely not specific books. So these are all just activities that stand on their own. Like I said, easy for a parent to duplicate. And I'm putting them on the Litcentric YouTube channel. And you can easily uh, copy those links, share those links in whatever platform you're using to communicate with your families. They can be emailed. They can go on, like I said, different learning management software you might be using. Um, and those, those videos will be there for you. So I hope that you use that resource and I hope you share them widely because um, they are going to be very useful for our families right now. And they will also be useful for you. So uh, they can give you ideas. You can definitely duplicate the activities that I'm talking about. You can teach them uh, remotely or even in your online you know, video conferencing software. All of these things can be uh, distributed very quickly and easily and at zero cost for everybody. So I hope that you take advantage of those. If you go to the Litcentric YouTube channel, you will find them there. And um, there's different playlists that I've started to categorize different writing videos. And there's a handful there now, and I'm hopefully going to be adding several each week. So stay tuned there. And uh, you can also, um, if you forget how to find that there, you can always go to litcentric.com and in the watch tab, that's where I have links to the different videos that I've created. Um, so the new, the, the new writing videos, as well as uh, running record videos and some additional videos that I have on the Litcentric YouTube channel. So again, please share those widely. They're, they're there for you to use. 
and uh, to share with families. And we need to get our kids writing. We always need to get our kids writing. But I think uh, now, probably more than ever before, they need those experiences. And this gives them a chance to have a really positive interaction with their caregiver and also with you. So with today's episode, we're going to take a look at adding description to personal narratives. Personal narratives sometimes are called recounts. Uh, This is when uh, it follows a narrative structure, but it's told from the first person, and it's generally based on a real activity that, uh, or a real event that a person experienced. So it could be something like, oh, I went to the store, I bought some milk, I got some eggs, I, you know, dropped an egg on the way out and I went home, you know, whatever, whatever that personal experience was. Uh, we're really talking about personal narratives today, and we're going to use the text, uh, The King of Kindergarten, to inspire us. And one of the reasons I love The King of Kindergarten is because kids really empathize with the main character so easily. He's darling, first of all, and uh, because he's going to be going to school for the first time, to kindergarten for the first time, it's really fun to root for him. And he really uh, demonstrates a common experience that all of our kids have had. All of our students have been new to school at one time or another. Even if they don't remember their first day of kindergarten or that first experience, they will probably remember the first day of this school year or the first time they did something similar. And so it's very easy for them to empathize with the main character here. And what I like to use the King of Kindergarten for is to show students the descriptive layer that the author architected to make this straightforward story really one that you wanna read and reread. It's a very simple plot line, but that layer of description, it's really royal vocabulary and description of royal things. Uh, It really makes it interesting and it's not lost on students. So I think they really can appreciate um, pretty quickly what the author has done and it's not hard for them to start pointing it out. So this straightforward text is great for lots of reasons. Uh, Besides just the story is really lovely and I think you'll really like it. And remember, unfortunately, um, I'm not gonna be reading the text aloud anymore because of those copyright concerns that I have. Um, But I know many of you already know and love The King of Kindergarten. It's a very popular text by Derek Barnes. Um, Derek Barnes also wrote Crown, which uh, we featured in another season of Eccentric Radio. He's a fantastic author. And The King of Kindergarten is a very popular text used at the beginning of the school year, um, oftentimes because obviously he's starting school, so it makes a lot of sense. So let me give you a little synopsis here of how uh, The King of Kindergarten works. And uh, hopefully it's a book that you already have at your school site. And if not, definitely go get a copy of The King of Kindergarten by Derek Barnes. So in this text, a little boy wakes up to get ready for his first day of school. And his mom boosts his confidence by claiming that he's the king of kindergarten. And he confidently gets dressed and heads off to school. And the author really infuses royal vocabulary and descriptions throughout the text. So Like uh, when he hops on the bus, the author calls it the big yellow carriage. And he says he has a majestic smile. 
And he even says that the boy took a royal seat at the round table when he got to class. So some of these, some of this language, you know, our kids will understand or have to do with royalty and being a king. And some of it's more subtle, like the round table. A lot of my primary age students wouldn't have enough cultural literacy to understand that reference. But then I could explain it to them. And that would be something um, that they could build um, into their background knowledge and would help serve them later as they get older and they start learning about different cultures and uh, different types of literature that are maybe refer to some of these concepts. And the little boy has a really great first day at school, meeting his teacher, and of course, making new friends. It's a very positive story. And like I said, check it out. If you don't have a copy already, you can always go to litcentric.com. In the listen tab, you'll find all the different seasons of Litcentric Radio in there. And if you click the season four uh, picture, it will take you, of course, to our season four books. And uh, you'll see the link there to go purchase your copy of The King of Kindergarten. How much fun would it be for students to be so excited about the books they read that they can't wait to share them with their friends and family? With Book Taco, kids really will get that excited. That's because Book Taco offers a new feature for sharing about books. It's Book Talk Videos. With Book Talk videos, students can record themselves describing, explaining, and sharing the book they read with their friends. I know so many of my students would work really hard making a video that they knew I would see, and even harder if they knew others would see it too. That's one of the best parts about Book Talk videos. Kids have a built-in audience that they're speaking to. Having a predetermined audience means that students have a chance to tailor their message and can get strategic about what they say and how they say it. Think about all the opinion and argument pieces our students write nowadays. Writing has always been a challenge for students, and the standards are so rigorous that it's harder than ever before. But if we can give students opportunities to practice persuasion in different ways, then they can build their skills using persuasive language, rhetorical devices, and practice the empathy needed to reach a real audience. Book talk videos are a great exercise to develop all of these skills and more. For my students, I would create a literacy center where they plan an outline for their book talk video and look it over with a partner who represents their audience. That way they can get real-time feedback during the development stage and make improvements before they go to film. Then I might create another literacy center where students watch three book talk videos from different classmates and explain which video is most persuasive and why. I would collect all their anonymous comments and share them with the whole class so we could discuss which strategies seem to be most effective and map out ways for everyone to try them out during their next Book Talk video. Log on to booktaco.com to learn more about Book Talk videos. There's even a sample video featuring a real student. That's booktaco.com. So like I said, with The King of Kindergarten, we're going to analyze this beautiful descriptive layer of language, uh, really the royal vocabulary that's used throughout the text. And the bridge chart we're going to create is going to um, help students find text evidence for that language. So one of the first things that I do with students is uh, we're creating our bridge chart. We're going to divide it into two pieces, really almost like the top half of the chart um, is about a third of the way down. And then the, the bottom two thirds is how we'll use the rest of it. So the top third and then the bottom two thirds, that's kind of how we're going to divide it. We don't need to divide it in half because the top third won't take up that much space. So better to save the space on the bottom. 
But when we do this bridge chart, we're going to label the two different sections. The first section we're calling background knowledge. And the second section we're going to call text evidence. And the background knowledge section is where we're going to begin. And that's really, truly students' background knowledge. Remember, when you create a bridge chart with students, you can't pre-create the chart. You might pre-design it and understand how you're going to lay it out and organize the information. But the actual content of the chart is largely going to be made up of the content that students provide to you with, of course, your guidance. And uh, in this case, we're going to have students talk about their background knowledge for uh, the term king, because of course we're talking about the king of kindergarten. But what do students know about the word king? What words and ideas come to mind? How would they describe a king? So the example that I have here, maybe some of the language they might use is the word royal or brave, smart, bossy, strong, rich, maybe words like that. Uh, and of course, like I said, when you do this with your students year after year, the list will be slightly different. There's no predetermined word that has to be on here. It really just has to make sure that it goes along with the, with the idea of a king. And so once we generate those words, um, those, those were six words that we generated. You could generate more, but I wouldn't do more than 10. I don't think you need quite that many. Uh, but when I wrote those words down, I write them each in a different color. And the reason I did that is because it's going to be easy for us to find textual evidence when we can use those colors to help us organize. So in the next section for text evidence, um, we're specifically focusing on our text, The King of Kindergarten. And what I like to do with students is um, first, of course, we read the book together and I like to ask text dependent questions to get us thinking and talking through the book to understand the whole thing. When we get to the bridge chart, I actually am going to go back and reread the book again. And you may choose to do this on a separate day, especially depending on how much time you have um, or also the attention span of your students. But either way, when you get to the text evidence part, go ahead and reread the text and you're going to pause after each page. So there's not tons of text on each page, so it's probably the right amount of chunking to do. And you're asking students to listen carefully for evidence in the text of uh, royal language being used or language associated with a king. And this is going to be easier or harder for particular students. Students who have less vocabulary, students who lack some of the background knowledge are going to be harder pressed to locate some of this information. And that's okay because they have you there to guide them. So anything that they miss, you're going to supplement that. And that way, um, they get the same experience as everybody else. Everybody can talk about what they heard and everyone's going to come across with something, some type of information that provides good evidence. So when you ask students to listen, maybe um, you read on the first page and something that um, happens to the boy when he wakes up first thing in the morning before his first day of kindergarten, the sun is shining through his window and the text says something like, the sun shines behind your head like a crown, right? Just to allude to the fact that he is the king of kindergarten. Well, this idea that he's got a crown on his head, a lot of kids could associate that with a king. And so I would, I would read that text or that, that page, ask students, turn to a partner, tell them if you heard any words that sound or any ideas that sound like a king to you. And somebody in class is probably going to come up with the word crown. And if they don't, fine, I will point out the word crown. Right? So don't, don't be dismayed if your students don't come up with the ideas that you want them to. If they don't have that, that vocabulary or that background knowledge, you're going to help support them through that so that they acquire that background knowledge and that vocabulary. 
So when we decide that a phrase uh, actually uses particular language associated with a king, we're going to document that in the text evidence portion of the chart. So just write that out quickly. Like I said, sun shines behind your head like a crown. Uh, you can choose to quote it directly, or um, you can even paraphrase a little bit. But as long as some of that same language is there, it gets the idea across. And uh, you're going to go through the entire text like that. So some of the other language students might hear on different pages is when the boy uses a golden toothbrush. Or I mentioned earlier that big yellow carriage is how they refer to the school bus. When he gets to school, the author calls it a grand fortress. So of course, this language is going to start popping out to students because they look at a school and they don't think grand fortress generally, right? They're just thinking school. So uh, some of the synonyms there will help them. And then later he battles a fire-breathing dragon with a friend at recess. And of course, a lot of kids will start to understand some of these general concepts of um, royalty and being a king and how the language comes into play. So once you've documented those things um, and you pause after each page and write those things down, then you're going to ask students to help you flag the evidence um, and associate it with the background knowledge at the beginning or at the top of your chart. So again, if we go back to that first example of the sun shines behind his head like a crown, we want to go back and associate that phrase with one of the qualities that we thought kings have. Like, remember we said rich or strong or smart. In this case, uh, I think that that phrase of um, having a crown on your head just makes me think of being royal because the only people who I know wear crowns are royalty. And so I would use the same color that I wrote royal in, in this case, red. I would either highlight or put a little dot by or indicate somehow next to it um, in that same color red to show, oh, my background knowledge of royalty came into play here. I made that connection between what I knew and the text evidence that was provided. And as you look at um, other text evidence that you've collected with students, you may actually find that you can tag it more than once uh, with some of the background knowledge that students had. So for example, on one page when he gets to school, he holds his head really high because his mother said, you know, you should do that because remember, she's trying to make him confident. So hold your head high and he has this majestic smile. Okay, so that's those are two separate phrases, but they're on the same page, kind of referring to the same moment in time. And so if we look at those against the background knowledge that we've associated with a king, maybe holding your head high really has to do with being brave. So if you're not brave, of course, your eyes are going to be down. <laughs> you're not going to be looking at other people. But if you are brave, you're going to hold your head really high. And that's a very kind of stately or kingly uh, way to hold yourself. And the majestic smile, maybe again, that has to do with being royal. You know, that word majesty, majestic. And so I could actually uh, tag those things with a couple of different colors, depending on the background knowledge that my students provided. Now, it's possible that some of the background knowledge that they provide for you doesn't come into play with the text evidence. So for example, in our chart, we have the word bossy, but in the uh, text evidence that we have, I didn't really see any evidence of him acting in a bossy way. And that's, a, that's fine. It doesn't mean that the students were wrong. It just means that in this case, um, the background knowledge that they had when they applied it to text evidence, it didn't shake out uh, in the same way. That prediction wasn't necessarily accurate because you can't always know exactly what the text is going to say, do you? All you can do is take what you know and apply it and help you understand the text that's in front of you. And that's really the type of behavior that we're asking students to do here. But 
The difference is, is that we're calling it, um, we're bringing it really to light, right? We're specifically talking about using background knowledge, generating that, labeling that, and we're specifically showing them how to tag that and apply it to evidence in the text, which is exactly what we want their brains to do eventually as they read on their own. First, when they're read aloud to, and then as they read on their own. And uh, basically all we're doing is kind of freezing this moment in time of how that strategy works and slowing it way down so that eventually with enough practice, these are the types of strategies and actions that readers can take in split seconds in their brain, which we know is actually how they process text. It's really amazing that you can do that so incredibly quickly, but the more that we can draw out those practices and demonstrate them for kids and slow them down and name them and make them aware of them, we're activating metacognition, which is certainly going to help them as readers. And it's really gonna help them as learners in general. And we're gonna make sure that they have the experiences um, to build on so that eventually, again, they can take over these processes and strategies themselves. So I really hope that you will check out The King of Kindergarten. I think it's a great text to use any time of year. I don't think you have to wait for next school year to use it. Um, and maybe, you know what, it might not be a bad idea to try out this text right now as luck would have it because we're all kind of in this new phase of school, aren't we? So maybe we can be the king of remote learning or the king of our new classroom, our new online classroom. Might not be a bad message to share with kids right now. So I hope that your schooling practices are going well. I hope that when you're teaching your children at home, that is also going very well. They're very lucky to have educators for moms and dads. It's very, very fortunate. And also, please don't forget to go to Litcentric's YouTube channel or litcentric.com in the watch tab. And uh, please check out the new writing videos that I'm starting to put out. I would love to hear how you use them. I would love to see student work that's generated from them and please share them widely. That's why they're there. They're there to help you right now. And uh, those videos aren't going anywhere. They're gonna stay right there on YouTube uh, for you to access even as we go into summer and into the next school year. Those are resources you can count on. So we will see you next time. Have a great day at school.